0: Everybody, this is Eric Krasno, and you are listening to the Plus One podcast. I want to thank everybody that's been tuning in. Thank everybody that's been sharing the show with your friends. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I know this one was a little different than others, but I hope you got to at least be with your immediate family or connect with your friends and family, whether it's FaceTime or your phone and uh, eat some good food and talk about what we're grateful for. I know I'm grateful for all of my friends and family and all of you out there that are supporting this show and my music and my friends' music. And uh, I really hope that we get back to creating music for you guys sooner than later. Uh, I'm excited for the show today because I got to connect with an old friend and I'm a huge fan of him as a musician and as a creator and as a comedian. He is truly one of a kind and has been able to merge all these different art forms into something that is so uniquely his own thing. Um, For those of you that have never seen Reggie Watts perform, he gets on stage, has no idea what he's going to do, and will entertain you for an hour or more just with his voice and various different machines that he's able to manipulate, mainly this one thing called a DL-4. It's a delay pedal with a looper on it where he can kind of create an orchestra or a band with his own voice. But he incorporates social commentary and comedy and so many different things into this performance. It's really one of those things where you just have to see it. You have to experience it. He also is now part of the Late Late Show with James Corden. He leads the band, but is also an integral part of the show. I got to know Reggie in the early 2000s when I heard his band MockTube. They were on a festival date with Soul Live. Um, and then they opened for us on a bunch of shows, and then subsequently he started touring with us um, as kind of a special guest. He sang with us. We recorded together on our album called Breakout. We had a couple songs together on that record. And, uh, and then eventually he started opening the show solo, and uh, it was so cool to just watch him evolve as an artist incorporate all these different things into what became his solo act i really enjoyed this conversation hearing about all his different inspirations and so many different styles of music that he's been into and how all these things kind of came together uh, in him forming kind of his own art form so i'm excited to get into the interview but first we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors He's an amazing singer, arranger, songwriter, band leader, comedian, comedy writer. He really does so many different things. I'm so excited to have him on the show today. I'd like to welcome today's Plus One, Mr. Reggie Watts. Would you have moved to L.A. if it weren't for the gig? Did you move here before the Late Show?
1: No, I didn't. I had yeah. no plans. Yeah. Um. I mean, a lot of my friends, obviously, were moving out here, but... yeah. Um yeah I really I really wasn't thinking about it. I mean it was coming out definitely more often yeah, you know yeah. those, those last years until before moving out, but yeah until James asked to do the or asked about the show, I, I wasn't thinking about it, so I, yeah, I moved out because of the show. Did you know him previous to the show? No yeah, it was like a kind of a cold call kind of a cold call, you know what I mean yeah, through yeah. my manager, but yeah. like uh yeah, they were like, I just quit uh comedy bang, bang. You know, right, right and and uh and i was like you know getting ready to do the solo thing and you know and just focus on that and and then uh, yeah and then i got this message from the manager like oh this guy let's talk to you he's a you know british dude person and uh uh yeah and so i i met with him in some above beverly hills hotel and you know, we talked and he was just like really cool. I gave him a, a weed chocolate and he ate it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, because this guy's smart. Even if yeah. he doesn't do weed, I knew that he did that as like a kind of like a, I'm down with you, you know, type of a thing. And I thought that was pretty cool. He didn't question it. He trusted me on it. And I was like, okay,
0: all right. And- Very crucial question to this. Pop the whole thing in his mouth. Did he nibble on it? Did he ask you the milligrams?
1: He, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I told him the milligrams, I think it was just I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, especially for me, cause people are always just like, Hey, you said it was a good to be that strong. i yeah. like, well, you know, I told yeah. you the milligrams, but, uh, yeah. uh, five, I think it was like five mils or something like that. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah. yeah, he just had yeah. it and he was like, fine. He just said that he had a great time and just watched movies afterwards. Yeah. So nice. yeah, it was crazy, but nice. that was just like weird. I, I You know, it's like weird that I quit a show where I was playing a fake uh, band leader, Right. you know, one man band leader, Yeah. uh, you know, a fake one man band leader. And then I quit the show and it's like, you know, I had no band. And then like two weeks or three weeks later, before I was about to go back, then I have a meeting with the guy who's like, do you want to be a real band leader with a real band on a real talk show? And it just was like, it was too fucking weird. I mean, that shit. I mean, you were
0: kind of of making fun of it, but kind of not on the comedy bang bang.
1: Yeah. But it was fake yeah. in, that it, in, in yeah. that it was a show, you know, it's a show, it's scripted, you know, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a real talk show, right. but like, it looks like it's got all the stuff in it, you know? But yeah, yeah I know yeah, what you're yeah. saying, I mean, I wasn't like, it wasn't total bullshit. Like the music wasn't total bullshit, but, but yeah, it, but the cons, the whole concept of it was, and so it was weird that i am like, fuck too many hours. Cause I quit it because it was getting up too early yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. starting to get really, really grumpy. And I was just waiting around on set a lot of times, just like waiting for fucking, you know, cameras to reposition or somebody get done with their thing and i'm just like chilling in my green room forever right. my tiny closet and then, and then i would like make a cot i couldn't i didn't even have a place to sleep so i like i just put cushions on the ground wow. i was just like so fucking grumpy man like uh, and and i mean not like i wasn't an asshole but i started to feel myself getting closer to that and i was right. like i got it. i gotta bail on this that's not my that's not why i do this and that was in new york that was it was comedy central right that was uh no that was ifc IFC, right, yeah, right. but that always get confused with Comedy Central, got the similar colors and stuff, but yeah uh, yeah. Oh and that I was, did, that so you were just like coming out here, would you guys do so, like a bunch of episodes yeah. and then you'd go back? Yeah, we would basically do like four, like, like two, I'd be out here for like two months or something like that Right, right. And then uh uh yeah two months I feel like there was once it was like three months but yeah it was like we just bank them you know we just like cram them in and then like I'd leave and then I'd come back like a couple months later you know and do stuff uh but yeah so it was like back and forth a lot so when you know I was I only had a small window I was only hanging out in LA for a little bit longer after filming or after I quit and then you know was gonna go and then that's when I got the call and I was like were
0: you touring a lot solo at that point
1: yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was yeah. definitely doing like, um, yeah, you know, it's all random, you know, like touring. It was more like just like clusters of, yeah, you know, gigs. It wasn't like, I'm on a, you know, here's my blah, blah, blah tour. It was never yeah. that. But I was like, always like gigs here, gigs there. If I, maybe I went to Europe and I would do like a string of dates there and, you know, come back or do Australia or whatever. And I so saw, I was, I was. I was definitely touring a lot. Right, uh, right. There. Well, you know,
0: a lot of people don't know that you toured with us in the mid-2000s, and, and uh, I saw a lot of the earliest... I mean, I know you'd been doing your solo thing, but I recall, like, seeing you... Because at one point... You were doing the thing with the delay pedal, and you were doing your looping, and I, you were using that with us in the show. And then at one point, I can't remember how it actually evolved into okay, Reggie's going to open these shows because it was like this makes perfect oh. sense, and okay. it was it was amazing. Uh, but I remember at the Fillmore, like seeing you do it for the first time, and I had seen you the time before, but I didn't. I'd seen you do it before, but I hadn't realized. That it was completely improvised, and uh, it had such an interesting effect on those shows because people were coming not knowing anything about <laughs> what you were going to do, and uh, a lot of times you, you know, would feed off of the energy of the crowd because it was it was improvised, um, and I'm curious like how the inception of that came together i know you had the delay pedal and you started like looping was it initially you just like putting song ideas together and it evolved into this improv thing
1: like what what was the inception there oh yeah um yeah i mean it was a kind of like a slow evolution in a way right yeah. you know uh because it really started with uh do you know wayne horvitz yeah yeah Okay, so, so Wayne Horvitz uh, had a project that I was a part of called the Wayne Horvitz Four Plus One Ensemble, right? Right. Which, which was me, uh, Scarrick.
2: Oh uh, yeah, Scarek was in that Okay.
1: Yeah, Avon Kang on yeah. uh, violin, um, and viola, and uh, Tucker Martin. Okay. Um, now, now, kind of like a. I guess he's like an indie kind of country western producer it was I guess his father was like some famous country dude. Yeah. Um and uh, so he was doing effects processing like on a big table. He had like all this like right, everybody's right, right. instruments routed through effects and so he uh, was like, okay. affecting everybody live. Yeah. And then Wayne Horvitz on DX seven and a piano. Right, and right, uh right. And then I was just doing like vocal stuff and some synth stuff. So we, we were going to go on tour after the record, after we recorded the record, and we we're going to Europe. And I was using a Roland RE101 Space Echo. Yeah, yeah. And and you know those those things are so temperamental. They're like you're constantly having to like replace the tape. And if you don't have the yeah. original lubricated tape, you have to like lubricate. The All the time. I, used, I had yeah. one, and I ended up getting rid of it because of that. It yeah. sucks. It yeah. sucked, and, and for recording, it's noisy as fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. like you plug it in, and it's just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's just like a snake that's constantly like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, or a cat. But yeah. So uh, so we were like, I was like, oh man. This this is gonna suck, but you know it's what I used, and then uh, roll, and then uh, Line Six came out with the DL four, right, right, and so when that came out, I was like, oh fuck, this emulates an RE one hundred and one, and so Tucker and I both bought. Bought them, and they were awesome. It was a game changer because they were so small, and um, they had all these like you know the presets, like the little charts where you can like move all the dials. And then it's like this this is like a you know a monoplex and an echoplex and whatever. So uh, so we took that on tour, and then I didn't really notice that it had this looping function uh, until like. I think like after after the the tour, and I came back and I started using it as my replacement of the r e one o one for tube, and uh and then the the then the looper thing I started using as a scratch pad for ideas, so if I had like a you know a, a beat or something, I would just start doing the beat and I would record it and I would loop it and I would just have that looping, and then the band would start playing along with it until they got it, and then I would just take it out and then we would just yeah. kind of progress the song from there, so it was like a scratch pad, and then I started doing like random like solo gigs or uh, or like I would there would there'd be these jam nights that we would do with Mock Tube and some other musicians at a club and then on the breaks I I just wouldn't break. I would just like keep going, you know? Yeah, and I would yeah, just yeah. do my own thing and like kinda of do stuff with the looping pedal. So it just kind of like I just started it just started becoming more of that over time, you know, less of right. the, the, the bands and like more of that and more of kind of what I was doing in high school, which is just random improvised comedy mixed with the looping. So it, you know, it's like, like a three-year transition or something like that. Right. And um, I'm curious, actually, to go all the way
0: back, um, you, your mom's French, your dad's African American. I know when you were really young, you were moving around Germany and Spain.
1: Am I right? Uh, yeah, uh, Germany. I was born in Germany in Stuttgart, and then okay. um, Spain, uh, Italy, I think, at one point. Yeah. Right. And then, and
0: then Montana, Great Falls, Montana. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's uh, probably—you're probably the only person with that, uh, with that history alive that I, <laughs> that I can imagine. <laughs>
1: um, so how old were you when you ended up in Great Falls? Uh, Great Falls. I would have been four years old. I think. Right. Right. Okay. So you really grew up there. Yeah. 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 From four to you know uh, eighteen.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. And what was your music um, inspiration at that when you were a kid? Was your was your, dad, was your dad a musician?
1: No. It's the weirdest thing. It's like nobody in my family was. A music, a music person. Like, right. uh, I mean, my dad played a little bit of saxophone when he was younger. Yeah. But uh, that's about. I think that's about it. I can't. I don't think there was anybody else that I could point to in the family that definitely was known for playing an instrument. So, yeah, there weren't really any artists uh, in my family. Yeah. I mean, on my dad's side, his cousin. Yeah, his cousin was is uh, Alice Walker. And that was the only, and she was oh, a wow. writer, so yeah, that no, was yeah, about no, as yeah. that's about as close as it got. So it was really weird. Uh, but so were music, you just taking yeah. lessons in school and stuff like that. Well, it was. Yeah, I mean, well, no, actually, at first, it was. Um, I, I guess my mo- my mom or my dad got me a toy piano because I really loved um, Ray Charles. Right, right, and uh, and I started. Uh, emulating you know Ray Charles uh, the way he like looked when he played and stuff like that and then so they got me one of those and then when we moved to Montana I think when I was five years old my mom found a piano teacher that started doing like you know teaching kids around age five or six and uh and so I started doing uh yeah classical piano At uh, age five and uh yeah so I started there private lessons with a crew of kids you know that we all kind of grew up with I, I I was with her until I was 16. And, um, and then I took eight years of classical violin in the school system, um, starting in fifth grade, I think, or fourth grade, I started violin. And then I was doing violin until, again, age 16, lessons. And yeah. when did you start singing, or when did you realize you had a voice? You know, that's like, it's weird. It's like I always kind of was always singing. Right, you know? right. like I, I was always singing, and, and it was just like one of those things where um, I didn't really focus specifically on the voice until I mean I guess a little bit in choir, I guess you know, like there would be like yeah. school, you know, like the Christmas show or whatever and we would in elementary school and we would sing and I like to sing. I was mostly just imic- I was mimicking singers, you know, so right. I'd mimic like Let's get physical, you know, Olivia Newton John. I would, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, anything that was on the radio, you know, right, um, right. Uh, Rockwell, you know, I always feel like, you know, somebody's watching me with Michael Jackson on there. Yeah, you know, like yeah. anything Michael Jackson, I was always imitating those people. So I didn't really think of myself as a singer, I was just more of like an imitator. And then um, uh, Weird Al Yankovic came on the scene with uh, Eat It. And that blew me away. I could Then I started writing parody songs, like he, inspired by him. And um, so, you know, I didn't. So not until maybe high school. I think I tried out for choir and I got into choir. But then, like, I just hated the choir teacher, so I, I dropped out really quickly. And then, I, yeah. And then I, I sang in a band, you know, in high school, my first band. So, but I didn't really like think of myself, I guess, as a singer until maybe that high school band. And, and then more so like in my early 20s and the when I moved to Seattle. And were you so you weren't training vocally like in high school and stuff? No. No, I wasn't. Yeah, not at all. I was just singing all the time. Right, you know, like right. I was like I do now. Like right, I, right. I, I I sing all the time and uh, that hasn't really changed. But now, but since then. That's why that's why like later I went to Cornish, you know, right. and I was like but, you know, when I was like 25 or something,
0: and at like that, that point like, you started, because your range is so wide that it sounds like you've been trained, you know, oh, from a young age.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's just I just got lucky that I, yeah, you know, that I I, uh, I couldn't stop you know, when I'd hear stuff, I'd right. want to sing it back, you know, right, so I, right. I just got lucky that I was, so I think, and, and really my falsetto, like the falsetto range really came from, I owe it all to, uh, Harriet Wheeler, um, from the, the band, the Sundays, right. Uh, and Elizabeth Frazier from the Cocteau Twins. So, um, but because I used to stretch my voice to just try to be able to, you know, get those notes that they were singing and the melodies were really complicated you know they they were very complicated melodies for you know pop music or whatever it wasn't really pop it was I guess alternative kind of poppy music but um yeah, they're very complicated. I mean, Elizabeth Frazier, you know. I
2: can't even do yeah. it now. Yeah. It's like all this stuff, like and
1: all these weird jumps and stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah. skips and and fluid melodies and like trills and like little like you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just like every kind of vocal. Technique in her melodies, you know Elizabeth right. Fraser. She was right. all of She was like an operatic like singer that was singing in her own operatic style. And then, and then um, uh, Harriet Wheeler was, uh, you know, it's that little souvenir of a terrible year that makes my eyes grow sore. All those those melodies were just insane. they were beautiful and and moved all around. And then also the counter rhythm of the of the drums, you know. Uh, yeah. So. I learned a lot just by listening and imitating Right, yeah, I was going to say Imitation
0: can be like the ultimate teacher I mean, I remember playing with you on stage And trying to like stump you with guitar licks And it, it, mm. ne- it never worked
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, sometimes I, if, I, if I can't do it exactly technically I'll get close, you know Right, so that's,
0: yeah. right, right um, So why did you choose Seattle
1: um, when you decided to leave, leave home? Yeah, I mean, I was in high school and and I was you know trying to figure out where I was going to go next and um, yeah it was, a, it was a it was actually a toss up I, I I went for an audition in Chicago for Amda American Music and Dramatic Academy right. in New York because I thought Man, maybe I'll go to New York yeah and then I, I auditioned but I I improvised my monologue right so. Um, that uh, they they were like, no, you're you're supposed to have, like have something memorized and you know and do it do a, a proper monologue and, and yeah. so I didn't get into that school. Um, and then my backup was I'd go to Seattle and go to the Art Institute of Seattle because I didn't have enough I didn't have a good enough grade point average. I, I really kind of slacked off my last two years of high school and barely passed, um, graduated. So, um, you know, that was the best I was going to do is the Art Institute. Not that it's not a knock against it, but you know yeah. they. They were like, well, if you want to learn some, you know, we'll take your money. So, uh, so I went, I went there. So that's what took me to Seattle. Now I moved there in 1990. Right, um, and uh, yeah, that was really it was like a toss up between the two, and I didn't go to New York, so I, I went to Seattle.
0: Were there like Seattle bands and, and stuff that you were into that kind of influenced that decision at all?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I only knew of one band. I knew Soundgarden. Right, right, right. And so I, I loved Soundgarden, and yeah. uh, I was a, a very excited about that, you know. And and then when I moved there, there was, like, the whole scene was happening, you yeah, know. It was yeah. just starting to really bubble and start started, started getting to that place that most people know it as. Right, right. But, um, yeah, yeah, so that was definitely a motivator. It was improv I mean it sounds like improv
0: and comedy were all part of you um during this time like did you did you see that being it all that fitting together with music or did you kind of see it as two different things
1: and they eventually kind of glued themselves together yeah I mean it's hard to say it's like it's uh I mean I always I guess I didn't really see it as a viable way of like communicate or not communicating i guess well communicating i guess a way of a way of making a living i didn't think about it that way you know right, i didn't right, think right. about it as like if i keep doing this you know this this is where i'm going it was more like music seemed like the only way cuz it was yeah. something that was all around and people were doing it you know yeah yeah so i focused more on music but i was always still a joker you know and um you know coming up with stupid ideas all the time um yeah so i didn't really yeah, I didn't think of it that way until about probably like I don't know, like 96, 97, something yeah. like that, you know, like when I had been there a while and um and kind of got the jo- started jonesing for that stage time of just saying a bunch of bullshit, you know, and just doing music stuff, and so I started sneaking it in here, and there. like, I'd get, like, a couple gigs at, a, like, a Greek restaurant or something, or, or actually yeah. at a French restaurant, um, downtown Seattle, i start doing, like, entertainment, you know, and, and, uh, uh, whatever and different, or I'd host a show or so, you know, like I would sneak it in, I started sneaking it in and then, yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't really like come there going like, yeah, this is the thing I'm going to do. I, you know, I had done it in high school and I did it, I, you know, competed in dramatics and my senior or junior year, you know, we won state, you know, and all this stuff. And so I had a history of it, but I just, Didn't really go to Seattle thinking that that was what I was going to do.
0: Right, right. I remember seeing you for the first time, I think, at The Gorge. Do you remember that show? Oh, shit. Soul Eye was playing. It might have been, I can't, it it was like a festival, I think, of some sort, and MockTube was playing. And uh, we were all on the side of the stage, like getting our gear ready or whatever. And we saw you. And yeah. and we're like totally blown away. And you guys had been you guys had been around, I think, a few years at that point. Um, yeah, but and I, and I really got along with Thad too, with Thaddeus. Oh, of course, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and I course. remember us starting some joke because some guy was practicing backstage and he was doing the wrangled angle on the acoustic, and me and him like started laughing, and pretty much every time I saw him, we would laugh about the wrangle-dangle for some reason. <laughs> <It was> like <laughs> oh, the I hippies do would start dancing that. and the hippies would start dancing. It's like, we need that wrangle-dangle to make the, make the hippies dance. Um, oh, my God. But uh, I had a lot of good times with him. But uh, <laughs> we were completely uh, blown away by you and the band, you know, overall. Um, and I, I'm curious, like, how that started? Did you meet
1: Thad first? No, no. It was uh I was in a band called Micron 7. Yeah. Okay. Um with Om Johari and uh Kevin Hudson and Zeke Keeble on drums and Mike Lewis, I think, on guitar and I think that's everybody. Yeah, and I was playing keyboards and right. singing and right, right. uh yeah and the band just kind of had a classic like blow up like the singer hated the drummer and like there was like this like rehearsal blew up one day and like the singer like jumped over the drums and started fighting the drummer and then we were like trying to pull people apart <laughs> and stuff and classic. that was pretty much it for that band and uh and then davis the drummer was yeah. in, was, on, was in, you know, the scene or whatever. And he'd heard that we broke up. So like, like within like a couple of weeks, he was like, Hey man, uh, you know, interested in doing a project and blah, 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 you know? So, um, and then I went in and jammed. It was, I think it was him. He had him, Kevin on bass and, uh, Oh, and Alex Veely on uh on keyboards and that was it and then me yeah and uh and so i came in and we jammed and it just kind of like worked right away yeah yeah and that's kind of how it started so it was davis davis martin really yeah yeah um kind of put put it together and thad was the second kind of incarnation after oh, i see um uh, alex veeley left uh to do his own thing um yeah, so Thad came in, and then Daniel Spills came in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was that was like kind of like MockTube t- point 02 two point oh. Gotcha. <laughs> was it called
0: MockTube that entire time? Was that kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was because we we'd read The Alchemist right, right. by pa- Paulo Coelho, the Brazilian guy, and uh, yeah, and they were using the word MockTube a lot in there, which I guess means it is written. Yeah, something. And great. I think you guys ended up opening for
0: us on a bunch of shows and then jamming with us and then that evolved yeah. into you
1: touring with us. I can't remember if yeah. Mach Two broke up during that time. I think I think it was it was roughly in that time period because right, right. I was like trying to figure out like because uh, I was thinking about moving to New York because of the comedy scene, because I'd run into some comedians from New York on tour, came through Seattle. So I think it was all worked out that way. Because it was like I met Eugene Merman, who had a show in New York, and told right. me anytime you come to New York, you can like you know come sit in our shows. And then you guys were like, oh, well, uh, you want to come to New York and to write? Yeah, and we were recording when the I record. came.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, when I came when I came to to New York Yeah, when we were recording the new record. Uh, and we were rehearsing and all that stuff. That month, that's where I rang up Eugene and was like, Well, I'm in New York, you know, and that's when I was doing, you know, invite them up during yeah, that yeah. month as well. Right. So, um, so it was around kind of the rough, roughly around that time. Random other fact that Eugene Merman and I went to college
0: together. What? Yeah, we went to that's... Hampshire College together. Oh Uh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally random. In fact, our one like real interaction that was kind of funny was like I was playing a show and it was some sort of prank that was going on it was like the spring fling you know and i was like so serious about our set being great you know in college this is our show it's probably lettuce like the first incarnation of lettuce oh my god i remember like during the show eugene merman who i didn't realize like he was a comedian or what was going on ran (laughs) up ran up on stage stopped the band and it was you know when you're playing a show you're like what the hell's going on? He like came yeah. on stage, stopped the band, like un and grabbed the microphone. I can't remember like what he was doing, but I was so angry. <laughs> I was so oh pissed my God. that to this day, I'm sure he's like, okay, I, I you know, I, I remember getting so <laughs> mad at him. But then, like, later on, someone, because I didn't even know what he said. I didn't, you know, it was like, I just knew he was on stage. So i are like, <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
0: anyway, but that's a funny uh, side, side note to that. Uh, uh, that that's hilarious. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I was remembering. Yeah, that that Fillmore show. I think was the first time that I saw like your full set and oh, right. and realized that it was completely improv. Cause, like at that point, I was like, oh man, he does this solo thing. He's done it a little bit with us, and it's so cool. And I remember watching the entire thing and then watching it through. I would always come out and watch that, and um, there was a couple times where you know people we're coming to see soul live and you like flipped the energy on them in this really funny way there was one time in <laughs> philly and there actually was oh like a video God. of that and i'm try- i was trying to find it oh, earlier really there was oh, like a find there was that. a recap a- video where you're talking about it too and then it, i can't oh. remember who made this oh, shit. but i don't i don't know if you can tell the story better than me but it, it, i remember you <laughs> <laughs> somehow incorporating like the Philadelphia Flyers oh, yes. is that what it was
1: oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Do you remember uh, this That was hilarious of course I remember that that was like that was insane yeah that was so insane yeah cuz I was like I was just doing this thing where I was like mispronouncing the Flyers I kept calling them the Lions Yeah <laughs> and I and I was and I was because they had just won I yeah. guess they won some big game or something yeah, like that. Yeah. and so I was like yeah the Lions and I was like congratulations to the Lions um, they're doing really really good and people would be like the Flyers and and I, and I just kept going with it and was like talking yeah. about their costume and I was like talking about how they have like these little manes that are yeah. embroidered on the back and it looks really cute and, and then they have like these kind of embroidered like stitching to like for their things to do like for their cocks or something there's right, like there's right. like a stitched <laughs> special pocket for that was just <laughs> random shit. and and the more i kept going the angrier they kept getting And like yeah. eventually people started throwing things yeah on yeah. the stage yeah and uh and then i remember oh and then there was like some dude that kept yelling like he was kind of towards the front and i was like I was like, okay, man, what do you want to say? Okay, well, come up here. And then I got him up on stage. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, and I was asking him, like... Like, oh, yeah, well so what's your problem with it? He's like, it's the Flyers or something. And he just kind of, I don't know. He yeah. said some shit. We had some interaction or whatever. And then uh, and I was like, okay, well, okay, so you made your point or whatever. And then I was like, well, you can leave now. And then he started to go off the side. I was like, no, 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 you have to go off the front. And so he had to, like, <laughs> climb down. <on> the front. <laughs> and, and then I remember ending the set saying, because everyone started getting louder and louder. And they were like, we're so alive. And then I remember kind of like, you know what, you guys? You just got your wish. I'm, I was like, I, prom- I promise you, you're <laughs> never, gonna ever going to see me on this stage again. And everybody was like, good, yeah. And they were all yeah. like, like cheering or whatever. And then I left stage and then you guys came out and did the set. And then you're like, you like, like to bring out our friend, <laughs> That was so
2: funny. Yeah,
0: 30 minutes later, you're like, guess you? uh, who? And they were like totally fine. Like they didn't both. even remember. Yeah, they didn't even remember. Even remember. that's hilarious, man! That's but the funniest, so the, the greatest thing about it was it was selfishly was that the band we would come out and watch you, mm. and it was so much funnier for us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my Cause god! Because we would see because everyone would generally love it, and then there were c- certain nights where any sort of awkwardness that was happening, you kind of would amp that up. You know? Yes, Which,
1: yes. Yes. Which I, I thought know.
0: was so funny and what? so ballsy, too. <laughs> like, we could tell uh, when you were going to flip it. We're like,
1: oh, he- here he goes. Here he goes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, I also remember that gig. Uh, Who was your tour manager? Maybe Wally. Yeah, it was Wally. I just remember, I think he was on that tour, and I I remember looking to the side of the stage, and I was like, because at one point I was like, how much more time do I have? I was like, oh, yeah, because it was before I went out. I was like, how much? He's like, I guess we got an hour or something like that. I was like, okay, I'll do an hour, because I'd never done an hour before. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'll do an hour. And then uh, I remember looking at the side of the stage, and he was just like, no, man, (laughs) Like it's, it's like no, you, get, you can get you can get off now. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like oh okay, because uh, it was not that was probably like one of the most uh, that was like the gig that I think I've had the most uh, animosity. Like yeah. like that it was awesome. I mean, it well was because like, no
0: um, one knew anything no. of what to expect at all. What was interesting no. was later in the tour when people did know you. You know, because yeah. it was kind of backwards. If you had sang with us
2: and yes, then right. done
0: that, it would have been yes. like, oh, that dude, and oh, shit, right. this is funny. Sure. Yeah, um, but they were like, who it, is this
1: motherfucker?
0: They were like, who is this guy? Um, but I remember by the time we got, I think it was Vermont, and we played a really random place in Vermont, and a bunch of my friends were there. It was all these, because I went to high school up there, and I, had a, I don't even remember my buddy Squeals. <laughs> Got, oh yeah, yeah squeals. Yes. Squeals like had brought all his friends. Cuz if you're playing Vermont in a random it was like a ski town. Do you remember we had the little yeah. we had that weird cabin, too. Do you remember we like had that ski house? Do you yeah. <laughs> vaguely yeah. remember this? And yes. uh he brought like all his friends and I remember they that was like the best set ever. Um for the, uh, for, of your set on that tour because it was like all my friends like laughing yes. and fucking going for it and you were fucking yeah. with everybody. Uh, yes. Anyway, that night yes. was a fun night and I remember we all ended up at that weird Vermont like ski house that was like yes. attached I to do, the thing.
1: I do remember <laughs> that. That's so weird. God, that's so crazy. I haven't thought of that in a long time. But yes, me neither. Whoa, weird. Yeah. yeah. So much
0: shit. Yeah, <laughs> those were good times. But actually, on, on, I was doing some searching last night and today and came across some of those old performances, and there was a bunch of songs that actually never came out. Um, oh, really? Yeah, there's, there's actually a really cool recording at the Bowery Ballroom of us with you, and we had Danny Sedownick, the percussionist, and oh, we yeah. play a bunch of songs that I realized have, has never come out. It was one called like Whoa. "Shine on Me" or something. Or oh Shine yeah, on. I remember that song. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. But uh, yeah, and then I, and then also I came across like a video, and I don't know if it was an official video, but for the song "What Can You Do," which was my oh, fa- yes. That was my favorite one we did together. But I remember one of the things was that every the, the song would always change. I don't think we ever. That's why that recording that's on the album was there's never that was it. You know what I mean? Yes, every time yeah, we yeah, do it, yes, yes. it was like completely different. Um, yeah, that's right. But we would because that's why it was like a, an interesting matching because that's how we were as a band was like we'd go up and we'd have this shell of like these songs. Feels yeah, like uh, jazz. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like you got the
1: head, yeah, and you just kind of went. For are it.
0: your are your shows like that to this day? I mean, do you map it out a little more now? Like, if you're doing a big show at a theater, um, do you just go in there with your pedal and go for it at this point, or do you have like your your map?
1: Uh yeah, no, I, I still still doing it fully improvised. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's just always been that way. It, I guess in the early days, like in two thousand three, when I first moved to New York and I was going to Edinburgh, I made an attempt at like writing more stuff, like some things. Yeah. Uh, but like my first year at Edinburgh was like fully improvised. Um, second year at Edinburgh was like kind of more written, and then I had my friend Tommy kind of help write a show, so we had segments in it, you know, things to move through, um, but. That was just, like, a few years. And so, like, Fuck Shit Stack was something that kind of, like, I wrote over time. You know, it kind of became something the more I played, the more I performed it. And then, um... And then, what was it? Uh And then, I think... I think that was really kind of the... Uh, if You're fucking was another song.
0: <laughs> all the fucks. All the classics, All the fucks. All the fuck yeah, fuck all, the, all
1: the fuck songs. Yeah, all the fuck classics. <laughs> Fucktastic. Yeah. Um But... That, I, I can't really... Yeah, I think that that was it. Um, and yeah, so th- there's never really been anything written, like, structured, formally aside from, like, my theater pieces, but then I'm, like, with other actors and right, stuff, right, you know? Right. And so we're structuring it in that way. But so for solo shows, now, I don't think I've I haven't really had any structures. I've definitely had, you know, things that I've done that were similar to another show, but never... I never go in with a plan. I definitely like it better when I don't have a plan. It feels better. And when
0: you've done your, like, specials or comedy or whatever, you know, your your video specials, whatever you want to call them. Um, are those usually edited together from uh, multiple performances?
1: Yeah, this, the specials are definitely that. Yeah, so yeah. like my first special, I, d- I designed it to just be, you know, I just do three shows. I wear the same outfit, yeah. um, for all three shows, but they're in three different locations. Right, right. And uh, yeah, and then we just spliced it together um, from all those three shows. I did the same thing with spatial as well, and yeah. well, actually, a live at Central Park. Uh, which was the second special I did. That was all live. That was all just one show. Cool. Um, But, yeah, and then Spatial, the one after that, that was uh, two performances. Are you heavily involved in, like, the editing and production of those? No. No? No, not at all. I just, like, you know, I just hope that it's a good editor. Yeah. And and then they'll... um, kind of put it you know good director good editor you know and they they just kind of put it together and i'm like yeah that looks good because it's like the good thing about improvising is like you don't have to be too precious about anything right you know um so and i like working with people they're really good at you know what they do it's it's still to this day any type of sketch i do i usually the uh i usually leave it up to the editor and then i'll have some notes you know but nothing too major I haven't really run into too many problems. The editors are usually pretty good, and they find good stuff. So I'm like, okay, that's great. So then we move on because there's like more shit to make, you know. I don't want to be like, right. you know, hyper, you know, trying to make a, a Swiss watch, you know, it's like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, That's not my that's not my thing. I've got more stuff to make. So yeah, and usually it works out great. And it's
0: most all, most of the recordings that are out there of you are live and improvised. Like, do you ever want to get into? I mean, you have made. Albums, produce albums as band as, with bands and as a solo artist. Does that interest you in the future to make,
1: you know, more produced um, albums? Yeah, there's a. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I, I want to do it, but I'm going to do it. I, I'd like I want to do it in my own way. So, right. uh, I, you know, I want to be able to. Essentially, the goal is to improvise very quickly. Um, all the parts to a song you know that I want to do because I do that all day long anyways when I'm beatboxing I'll you know I'll be doing a beat and a bass line, and then I'll like you know come up with a pre chorus vibe and a chorus and then like some kind of a bridge thing and then go back to the main thing. And so I do that a lot and I don't do it as much live because generally it because of my looping setup, it's not as easy to come up with different parts to move to, key changes and all that stuff, so I usually just stick with a groove, and then I just work off that groove. But in a studio situation setting, which I'm I'm setting up a video project to do that, actually, but it would basically just be a bunch of keyboards set up, each one, each of the keyboards will be different things, like one will just be bass sounds, one will just be drum sounds, drum kit sounds, and another one will be like pad sounds, and another oh, cool. one will be like lead sounds, and then I just walk in and click track you know and just have a click and then i just like do a drum beat really quickly that starts looping and then i might have an an engineer like doing the looping or whatever Yeah, yeah just to trigger the loop points on a better program and then i go to the next thing put down the bass line you know i'm like okay that's a great verse line here's a here's a chorus line okay great and then like you know do chords really quick and then i'll like jump on vocals and then do vocals really really quickly and then just have a producer produce it yeah, you know, yeah. just like on their own, they'll just make a song with what they what they have, right, all those right. ingredients and then that'll be the track. Yeah. And so the idea is to like make it super super fast, like yeah, fast yeah, music. Yeah. And um, so that is that's a way. So so to answer the questions like yeah, I do want to do that, but I want to figure out a way. So because I've made a lot of albums where I've sat down, you know, written, you know, for months and played the songs out, you know, and recorded and stuff. So and I enjoy that process, but I feel like I have so many ideas that I got to figure out a way to have a recording process that's as fast as the ideas that I have. And um, and recently, do you know Mark Rebier? I was just going to say I watched the video of of the two of you. It's very cool. What you guys? Oh are doing- man! Oh thanks, man. Yeah, he he is just. Uh, it's weird. It's like he's like a long lost family member or something yeah, like that yeah. it's really weird you know his mother's french from france like oh, my okay. mother yeah, yeah yeah and uh yeah he grew up in texas i grew up in montana you know like there's like these weird similarities he loves technology as much as i do we like go off on mobile phone technology and like yeah. all these You know, it's crazy and um and, you know and he and i inspired him to do his thing yeah. and so you know when we're when we jam together it's just you know he's He's an incredible musician like, yeah. and an amazing vocalist. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, throws it all away like I like to do. Yeah, It's you know, yeah, just like yeah. kind of makes it goofy and weird and like sexualized. And it's about like yeah. this other character, but really, when you're listening to what he's doing, you're like, that's some nasty shit. Yeah. <laughs> but so we had such a good time. We're like, we got to do a fucking record. Yeah, you know, yeah together. Yeah. So, um, so that's going to happen. I think I'm going to go to New York, and uh, that's where he lives. And. Uh, do a record there. Cool. Yeah, and we just do it the same way. Like, you know, we'd have our two looping stations set up, and yeah. then we would have splits on everything. Right. So, like, right right after the mic, or right before the mic goes in the effects, um, you know, right after, uh, so you'd get, like, basically every single split point, and uh, when we're doing loops, as the loops are being created, you'll have a recording of those loops before the loops are added, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, they'll yeah. always be, like... Whatever. And then also, both of our looping machines, you can pull cards and and get the separate loops once they're established. So, anyways, the point is all of it'll be there but then we'll also have the totality of the performance. Right. So right. so that'll be the guide, right? Yeah. So if a producer's involved, they have the guide of the full performance but then everything's also broken apart yeah. so they can make everything sound nicer. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So um you know and then we can go back later and add like reinforce a chorus or something like that. So so the idea of being fast because he works just like I do. So yeah, yeah. that'll be really cool and he's got clean sounds and he's an amazing keyboard player. He yeah, he, yeah. he he plays synth bass. Like he's 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 badass. Like bass is really the place. And like when I hear when I hear his bass lines I'm like, okay, well that's yeah. easy and then I hear bass lines that are like he wouldn't really go into that certain direction I have like musical influences that he's not really that's not his thing yeah you know yeah, yeah. and but he's got musical influences that I like that I love but I don't really emu- emulate it yeah, you know yeah. so so it's it's cool it'd be a cool process but yeah I, I definitely look forward to recording and making music videos you know because that's why I got whatsapp you know that's why I made that app right, right. Um, because I wanted like a platform like my own television station, you know, like, make shit and, like, put it out and do it in the way that I want to, and, uh, so that's, that's, this next year is gonna be a lot of that We'll be right back after this short break
0: You talked about some of those influences. I'm curious to um, get inside that a little bit because I know Mm -hmm. there's a lot of electronic music um, and that you incorporate into your bass lines and into your beats. Um, There is, uh, I I just remember being on the bus and, you know, with you and our, you know, the stuff Soul Live was playing and what you were playing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it overlapped in a little in a in a, yeah. in a sliver or two you know but there was yeah. a lot of stuff that I actually heard from from you that I had never delved into um, mm. so yeah. I'm curious like you know when you were a kid like cause I know you were like into Bauhaus and into like mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. um, in, like, <laughs> industrial music and stuff like that yeah. how did you find that stuff like especially
1: in Montana I mean I kinda owe the well i go i owe the gateway to that music to my friend john thomas yeah who uh he was a neighbor a neighbor of mine and uh, we were in the same grade together and he was always listen i don't know how he got into it it's really weird i'm gonna have to ask him that but um yeah he was always listening to like the dead milkman and yeah. um uh you know the smiths and uh, the cure and uh the vandals and like, you know, punk music and post punk music and just weird, like weird shit. Alien sex fiend. And, and and then when I remember like going to visit his grandma who lived I mean it's just ridiculous my upbringing. It was just like it's so stupid. But like like friend John, he had a grandma that lived on a lake in West Glacier, which is the edge of the national park. Yeah, yeah. And uh and so we'd go up there, you know, for a summer and they had this old log cabin house, you know, that, that his grandma lived in. And she was ornery and like, you kids, kid, what are you doing there? Now it's time for supper. Now you guys wash up, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then his cousins, he had two cousins that lived uh, in a house. His uncle and aunt uh, lived in a house that was maybe like, I want to say like maybe 800 feet from grandma's house that was closer to the lake. Yeah. So they lived in this, like, kind of, like, they've designed the house, and it was very kind of uh, Scandinavian-looking, like, minimalist, like, super dope, modern, awesome, like, open architecture inside, all wood. Um, It was gorgeous. And his two two cousins, Shauna, and I forget her her sister's name, were just the most beautiful girls you could imagine. Like, Shauna was blonde, tall, just gorgeous, and then... uh, her sister was brunette, and just and they were just so hot, like it was just ridiculous. And uh, Shauna was super into industrial music, and so they had this uh, VW van that they had spray painted all over, like DK, like Dead Kennedys, and like a bunch of other stuff. And they'd drive it into Kalispell and like meet their other punk rocker, new waver friends, you know, in the eighties. And she told me about Front Two Four Two, and I was already listening to Ministry a little bit yeah. through my friend John. And she kind of cemented it because she was like really hot. And was like, you got to check yeah. out Front 242. <laughs> it ended up being me looking for a Front 242 cassette tape. In Cleveland, Ohio, after she told me, and I was visiting my dad for the summer, and uh, and I couldn't quite remember the name of the band, so I ended up getting a Level Forty Two,
2: right, <laughs> cassette, <Yeah. laughs> um,
1: which is not industrial at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it started like you know, it's it was around that time period where you know I was listening to Ministry, A Mind Is a Terrible Thing to Taste, and I just loved how fucking hard it was. It was like hard, but it wasn't metal. It was. You know, Ministry was the first band, really, to uh, to take metal guitars, but also synthesizers and drum machines, and like create this really dark, aggressive, electronic but hard rock uh, music form. And uh, and that just blew me away. And then there's Skinny Puppy it was another band, and and so forth. So so those bands like really got under my skin. And then Front Two Four Two, and then also. Um, are Ebb, are Ebb was like a really big one. They really fueled many car chases and uh, and crazy, you know, trips in high school for sure. So yeah, so I mean, it was really like John, like you know, John really dug in, you know, kind of exposed that to me. And then all of our friends started, you know, we were all trading music, and some of our friends were more like kind of Bauhaus, more like kind of goth. music, you know, like Dead Can Dance and stuff like that, and then I was kind of like I loved that, but I also loved the Smiths but I also loved the Smithereens, but I also loved you know, uh, industrial music and then I also loved The Cure and like synth pop stuff, you know, like I had a pretty broad music range but definitely my last few years of high school, I kind of zeroed in on industrial post-punk new wave shit Mm -hmm. yeah, and you know and then from that techno later um, because in Seattle You know, like in the '90s, you know, the whole rave culture thing, you know, erupted out of the early '90s and kind of crept into Seattle culture. Like mid '90s, there were raves everywhere and like huge flyers with like 3D graphics that looked like corporate logos, but you know, all that shit. And um, and then I would be listening to drum and bass, and I was really into drum and bass because I got pretty hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I loved that, and then uh, and then started getting into techno. You know, techno and house because I just loved dancing. Yeah, since yeah. I was a kid, I loved just going out and dancing at clubs. And uh, yeah, lost my shit in that world. You know, like you know, it was hard. I had like drum and bass, but then you had like just really cool, funky house shit and and dope ass minimal techno shit. And then you had like all the music, electronic music forms that came from the '90s, like two-step and gabber and um, you know, or well, there was like. How oh, was the other one? Uh oh, Acid Jazz. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. like you would have touched into that acid yeah, jazz. Thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, repercussions, that band repercussions from from New York, and yeah. they had that yeah, um, yeah. whatever that was, that hit that they had. And like, so that whole world of electronic music, like, really, really spoke to me in in uh, I don't know, in a really serious way. So that's kind of like my Foundation, so like when mark Mark's a funk guy, yeah, know, yeah he yeah. loves like nasty funk, and he 's like you know the so for me, like when he lays down a drum beat, we were trading stuff you, you don 't hear it on the recording we're trading stuff, and he 's like putting down like a, a dope like beat or whatever, my instinct is always to go like what 's the furthest thing I can put on top right, of this right right you know like what's what 's something that 's not you 're not going to be expecting you know to hear, and I would do these bass lines that were like not in any key,
2: you yeah, know, yeah, so it's yeah. just
1: like just they were just like all over the place, but they were rhythmically. Interesting, and then the tonality of it was so I love that when you're hearing like a boost whatever that is, and then you hear, then you hear, hear this like yeah, you yeah. know, and it does it's not really in a key, and so yeah. everything you lay on top of it, you just have to commit to the non tonality of it, you know so uh, yeah, so all of that music really informed like. What I make now, I'm always trying to stretch and go like, I know what is gonna naturally fit on top of this. But let's start with something that shouldn't work at all and right, see how
0: that works. Right, right. Does. Well, I can hear all of that in your beat making and your 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 uh your beatboxing. And I'm curious like how that started to evolve or when you started doing it and looping it and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but also how you place your bass lines over it like i remember that when we'd be jamming and you'd be like Mm -hmm. put like like you said like this kind of straight beat but put the you know over that you were like doing the wobble bass like before i even before like EDM was doing you were like the original wobble bass guy (laughs) Uh,
1: oh my god well that was that was drum and bass yeah 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 yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like how I would come up with my song ideas with bands and stuff. You know, yeah, I'd be yeah.
2: like, hey guys, I was thinking like... <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, and they yeah. would be like,
1: oh, okay. <whistles> 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 yeah, okay. <whistles> you know, yeah, yeah. and then I'm like... Hey,
2: <laughs>
1: you know, so in a weird way, live bands c- were kind of like my looping pedal, you know, like yeah. in a way uh, later. But um, yeah, I mean, beatboxing for me, Um, I mean I guess it started in junior high you know when the fat boys came on the scene and you heard those guys but I could never do their style of beatboxing because I thought it was too messy and I didn't like the sound of it it was too human sounding so for me I started developing like you know so as a kid I'd just you know I'd just be doing that and then I realized oh I'm just doing that All it's all right here you know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that all this is all open. So yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So then I was like, Oh, I can do bass lines at the same time. So then I started doing that and then trying to figure out ways to sneak in melodies, you know, so you're like trading off bass. so you like establish the baseline and then psychologically you're still hearing it in your mind, but then you're sneaking in melodies yeah. and stuff like that. And then figuring out breathing shit. So it was more like a like a like my own Rubik's Cube of like figuring out how to do shit. And uh Yeah, yeah. You know, so the beatboxing thing was really something, a way for me to kind of be thinking about music and not necessarily writing it but like practicing it in a way like just doing it when I'm just walking around, doing whatever and then sometimes if there was like a you know, some MCs or people who wanted to rhyme or whatever I'd be like the guy, you know doing the beats, but again I wasn't doing the (laughs) you know, it was it was either that or it was like like the you know, like the throat shit so the (laughs) Yeah, yeah or um yeah. or the uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. and then the, so there's like three techniques that I use that aren't really like the normal beatboxer thing. So in that way I I related more to like what Bobby McFerrin was doing, which when he was right. doing his shit, I was inspired because he was sneaking in melodies, you know, he was using right. I mean he was using like those chest thumps and stuff like that to kind of create his own thing, but then he would Sneak in these notes, and so he'd like keep referring back to. Oh, here's the here's the arpeggio, here's the bass line, here's the melody, here's the beat, here's the arpeggio, and he just kept like threading it because he can't do it all at the same time. But he would have this technique that would you'd still hear the music, you'd still still hear the whole track, and so that always like blew me away. So I I would yeah. I I was I guess I was more into like vocalism. It, to me, it was more about. V- right, right. Vocal. Not specifically beatboxing. Yeah, not, not. Yeah. Although it's fine, you know. Like, um, yeah, and also beatboxing is a little bit more uh, kind of like it's either in support of MCs or if it's its own thing, it's more like a showpiece. It's like a like a gymnastics routine you know, yeah, yeah. and, um, like, if you go to see, like, the world beatbox champions or championships or whatever, there's people are doing routines, right? And yeah. they're, like, and then they're putting in pop tunes and, like, popular hip-hop songs, you know, like, whatever. Right, and yeah. for me, I'm, like, I'm, I think of it more as just an instrument. It's, like, I'm, yeah. I'm using this to, like, jam, to do something, to make something, and I'm thinking about it as a way of writing music. Um, and yeah, it just yeah. happens to be my voice, because I don't have any instruments on me, so... I've got this, so I might as well figure out how to make that work, you know. And
0: also I mean, it's funny that initially it was to relay an idea, you know, to your band. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure, you know, with the Corden band, um, a lot of that communication um happens, you know, are you you guys have, have mic you have a mic that goes to their feed, which initially will Start an idea is that how it works generally or and, and also is it a lot of it still it's improvised as far as like the bumps in and out
1: in the beginning it was really like I wanted to choose I wanted to choose people that were obviously like amazing improvisers people who could have yeah. good ears and could improvise really quickly um so I put together a good team and uh and then I wanted originally to be like improvising like I wanted the yeah. whole thing, you know, like, everything that we're doing to Im- to be improvised. What ended up happening is it did start that way, and yeah. oftentimes I would do voice notes, like, you know, into the phone, and I would do, like, you know, beatboxing that I was just doing, and that would be an idea for a song, and I would just send it to the group, and they would get it, and then they would learn it. But then what ended up happening is, um, because of publishing and stuff like that, we had to start naming the bumps, oh, right, right? right? And, uh, and then we just started building up, essentially, a library, of all these bumps. So now I think we've got like over 600 or something like that of these ideas. Right. And then now they just choose from the library. Yeah. And then we right, still right. we add new stuff too like the band will write new stuff cuz in the beginning it was just yeah. me writing the shit. But now yeah. they're writing stuff. So it's a mixture. So now they're just calling the bumps. So they have a sheet and the and Tim He's kind of like the first officer. He's like the kind of like my like number one, you know. He yeah. uh, kind of wrangles a lot of the band now, and I'm kind of you know I just get to slip into the cockpit and you know yeah. be a part of the ship. But yeah, so yeah. he's uh, he's writing all the bumps, you know, and the band kind of decides together too in advance because they're there like usually like a uh, two hours before I am, so yeah. they kind of run through stuff, and I just kind of I'm just there, and on occasion yeah. I might. Throw them off, and I'll be like, "Now fuck that. Well, let's just do this," you know. And I'll just do right, an right. improv, and I'll be like, "Let's do that." And I still have that override capability. I don't do it that often, but because um, I don't want them to get too comfortable. But uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it. So sometimes we still are improvising. Sometimes we'll like the last song where we do the long song at the very end of the show until they fade out uh, for the show while the credits are running. Sometimes that'll be a brand new cut that like yeah. I come up with. You know, um, or, you know, Tim's playing, so he's fucking around, he's playing something. I'm like, oh, what is that? You know, and then we'll like latch onto that and we'll like quickly get the notes and we'll be like, let's just play that. And then we'll play that out or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. there's some of it, but most of it is we're just replaying improvised things. That start with an improv. Yeah, start with yeah. an improv. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah, just kind of yeah. go for it. But yeah, it, it really works. It's uh, it's cool. And, you know, we get, we get to keep all the publishing because we're not doing any covers. Yeah, that's crucial yeah Yeah.
0: i don't know if you i'm sure i'm sure you remember this actually there was a jam session when you first got the gig uh i think you must have still been in new york but you and i and michelle and degi cello oh yeah and who was the drummer i can't remember the drummer was but uh we all got together and kind of worked through the concept a little bit when you were kind of putting the idea together of what it would be oh yes that's right yes and at that point you were feeding us uh you know, beat boxes or yeah, you know, cons- concepts, and we would we would play off of that.
2: Yes,
1: yeah, that's right. Oh my god, yeah, because I remember that yeah, Michelle and uh, I also auditioned uh, Tall Wilkenfeld, but Tall was just like she's just on her own path, you know, like she's, yeah, she didn't yeah, need yeah, to be yeah. a that that her being a like a studio bass player for a late night thing was just that's just not her thing. Um, uh, and so it was kind of fun. It was fun to jam with her, but it was just like, "How about something like this?" And she'd be like, "How about something like this?" And I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I see. Oh, that's oh, right. that's, yeah. that's fine." Uh, but and she's great. We're 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 friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michelle also was a little. Yeah. Uh, Michelle was a little like, t- which was weird. Is that like uh, she was not hearing stuff? She was hearing stuff right. totally differently. It was weird, and yeah, I thought yeah, like yeah. either could been maybe hearing issues. Maybe because yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. like playing notes and she wasn't hearing it at first, and obviously yeah, she's yeah, one yeah. of the greatest musicians of our time. But like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was wondering because I've run into that before. I have run into musician friends that they they've lost some hearing and so they can't hear right, right. as well. I kind of I don't know this. I don't
0: remember it exactly, but I rem- I do kind of remember her knee because she's such a strong voice as a writer and as a yes. player that it is hard sometimes it needed to be in her it needed to kind of come from her almost like yes like the way that she would play things was definitely yeah not as you were singing them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know? yeah
1: yeah. she's not she's that's that's not her thing that's not what she does right. you know and right and right. it's kind of interesting like running into different kinds of players you know everyone plays different yeah. and differently yeah, you know? yeah, yeah and and for me as a a mimic you know who's grown up as a mimic I love getting it like exactly it's like this exactly I know I
0: find that I'm do I'm MD on a lot of different random projects where a lot of times we do have to do it. Yeah. With the artist, you know, so we have to learn the records of these like a, a legendary artists, and we got to like pull it off. And if the bass player wants to put some extra, do like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, honestly, I'd much rather do that if yes. we're jamming. Yes. But yes. In this particular context, you got to play, you know, yeah, that the the record, oh. uh, you know, and play it the way that the artist wants to hear it. You
1: know. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's a mentality, you know. It's like a thing. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. you almost have to get addicted. To wanting to get it perfect, you right, know what I mean. Right. Like there's like, and yeah, that's yeah. actually the opposite. It's the flip problem, right? With like, yeah. hardcore studio cats, you know, yeah, that are yeah, like yeah. just perfection machines. You know, you play a bass line yeah. or whatever, and they're just like, oh, like this, and you're like, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. And then you're like, oh, you want to jam or whatever, and they're kind of like, uh... they're like a little bit. What, what, where, know, wow. <laughs> what do you? Okay, so, okay, you, so there's no. You just. I just. Okay, you know, like, like there's a little
0: so bit. Just you don't want. Yeah. So you want me to, uh, but you okay. don't to. Okay,
1: I'm gonna play, and then just like you know. So it's kind of funny. It's like either way, but yeah, I mean, um, who is? The, what did that remind me of? Uh, uh, fuck. You were just talking about um playing, oh, mding, and uh playing with the band. Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, I guess. I guess the point being, like, it's. It's interesting when you're when you're mimicking something and you get addicted to wanting to get it right, and then if you want to unleash, you can be unleashed. You know, but you right, know, but right, there's right. like as kind of a cool thing like when you're like holding back is the the greatest feeling in the world. I, I love like yeah. going like oh, yeah. I'm just gonna play a little bit here and there, and. And you just sit in the pocket, you know, and you're, like, part of the crew, yeah. you know, and you're, like, making that thing. There's something, like, I love it. It's like when you have, like, a perfect card hand or something, and you're just like, yeah, nah, yeah. I'm just going to, like, let everybody it. No, going to play. play it. Yeah, I'm just going to, nah, I'm not going to play it. And you play well, in the game, and you never play it the hand. <laughs> <It's> like,
0: <laughs> right, right, the entire
1: game. <laughs> no, that's the thing, though. It's, like, it's ho-
0: oftentimes hard for people with the that have the skill level and the chops to not use them, you know, to hold them back, you know, know. but the greatest in the world, like bass players, like Pino Palladino, oh, like yeah. like players like that, that, you know, can do anything. But yes. then what happens is they, what's, I feel like they're going through this cycle, this, uh, to f- and then when the, when the perfect one happens at the perfect moment, they just know how to select that one and just place it perfectly. Yes. You know, yeah. that one riff in the right spot yeah um, I know well I and would... that's so much more powerful
1: than the millions of notes they could have played ah oh, god it's so it's so fucking true and I you know uh, uh what was I listening to you oh, last shit i'm gonna remember in a second it was some band we were listening yeah. to we were like trading music like listening to music on youtube and uh and I was telling her like, yeah the bass line is the the bass player is like completely destroying on this track yeah and and yeah. but but the track. Is th- as a total makes you feel a certain way and you're thinking of it in a certain way. But I'm like, if you listen to that bass, the bass line, like everything that's happening in there is fucking perfection. And and, yeah. and she's like, no way, you know. And then, and then we kind of listen back and she's like, oh shit. I was like, yeah, these guys are like super fucking tight. Like, you know, there's like certain, um, like I love it. Like, my thing is like, when you hear like a badass bass line, a song, like a pop song, a really well written bass line. I want to yeah. hear that when I hear them lie when I, when I and I always hate it oh, yeah, I yeah, hate yeah. it when people are taking too many liberties off the, I'm like you already wrote the perfect bassline like just right, right. play the bassline because the bassline yeah. I, if I was a bass player I'd want to be playing that bass line. I wouldn't be one of deviating all what unless you have a free section or something like that but like that's what I want to hear it's the same thing with like vocalists you know and they're yeah, yeah, when yeah you're like all the like uh, you know like if George Michael singing um uh, so, you never want to dance again, right? You know, yeah. all those, my God, I don't yeah. even think that I love you. You know, all or that Or even stuff. the, you, oh. Yeah, without yeah. that, oh, being that like that,
0: you're like, oh, no, I you're, hear you're that. missing it. You know, because you know, you know yeah, every yeah,
1: yeah. single vocal, yeah. vocalist thing that's going on. You know, the whole thing. Like, it's already yeah, written, yeah. it's already perfect. It's like if I listen to uh crowded house don't dream it's over or um uh uh you better be home soon like that song yeah. like i want to hear that whole thing and when people start doing their like their own versions or they like kind of riffing off the melody i'm always a little yeah. bit bummed because even in my Me music too. when i've written stuff i barely took liberties because if i liked what yeah. i wrote i'm just going to sing what i wrote you know yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: so yeah. so it's an interesting uh kind of mentality uh and that's how i kind of like approach even improvising if I hear, if I feel a melody that's about to happen, I'm like, make it something that's going to count and something I can come back to. Right. You know, right. so I wanted to, yeah, feel even though it's
0: improv, you want it to be memorable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And people, and I it, was interesting what you said before is like, you'll do a baseline and then take it away, but it's there in their minds. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, you have, you got to put a melody in there. And and then when you come back to it, they're, like, excited to hear it again.
1: Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. You know, like, that's, that's yeah, it's the greatest thing because it it makes everything cohesive. You know, it brings everything cohesive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of it just being, like, you know, obviously, like, you and I, you know, rocked the jam band scene for a really long yeah. time, you know, and being yeah. in projects that were, like, kind of jam-like, but also... Not traditionally, it could have been anywhere. It could, you know, gone in all kinds of festivals. But like right, seeing right. jam bands and hearing jam bands, and some jam bands just like really going for it, you know, like Noodle City, and like yeah. uh, and, uh, and and I remember just me going like, I don't want to do that. Like if I'm improvising, yeah. like I don't want to. It's got to. It's it's got to have a. a, a it, people have to not be anxious that it's not going to end. Yeah, you know what I mean I mean and obviously the jam you know if you're like on psychedelics and, and the Grateful Dead are like you know jamming and, jamming and jamming and jamming and jamming and you're just like yeah this is cool it never ends it's like a it's like a trip right and it's yeah. great but for me like that's good they do that but like if I'm going to improvise I want to make sure that it has a structure that it feels structured yeah, yeah. it feels like something yeah, yeah. that was written people are like hey that song where can I get that and like I don't know it just came out of nowhere if, did right, you, record right. Cause if you record it because if you recorded it it's yours yeah, yeah. You know, that type of thing. Do you do you like to listen
0: back to what you've created in that way, or you just kind of like to leave it alone?
1: No, I, I do I do like to because, you know, in a way, like, I want to hear what happened, you know? Yeah. Like, I'll remember it, you know, as you're listening to it, you kind of have that, you're remembering and listening at the same time type right. of vibe, which is really fun. Um, yeah, because, you know, I'm trying to make the, the shit dope you know i'm trying to i'm yeah. trying to do whatever the idea is out there that wants to manifest like justice i want to you know i want to I wanna, you know i want to hear it and go like yeah that's yeah that's the groove oh yeah that's a really good loop oh that feels really good oh yeah where that shit comes in it's just a little bit late that's perfect you know like i i like yeah, yeah. i like it when it comes out great you know um yeah. for me so yeah i love i love listening back back to it it makes me excited And when you're
0: doing, I guess no one's doing any shows right now. But when you've done shows as of recent, has your rig expanded beyond the the Line Six? I've seen you. I think when you had like a little mixer and a couple other things. But how has that expanded over time?
1: You know, it hasn't really expanded that much. I have, um, you know, I have my original Line Six DL4. I have a reverb pedal, uh, Roland or a Boss RV5 tried the other RV series. The RV5 is really kind of like the best one, but um, um and then uh the EHX Electroharmonics uh 95000, which is their that's the one those, that I remember. Yeah, that, yeah. that's the six, I had three EHX EHXs. One of those a 20 uh 28 or 2880, which was their very first yeah. four track looper, then the f- uh, okay, 40 yeah, yeah. the fuck is it? And a 40 something something, and uh that was their second version of the four track looper. And then yeah. their uh ninety five thousand is the six track looper and then where the form factor changed and all that shit, so I just use that those are those three pedals mm. that's it, and then I use a uh teenage engineering o p one oh yeah, uh, yeah. microsynthesizer, and I use that uh for synth sounds and drum beats and stuff like that yeah. and um that's it uh you know so I only added two pedals um right so it's it's the same same concept
0: overall with a few other. Little bells and whistles.
1: Yeah, you know, I get six tracks, so I can like do some stereo mixing. You know, uh, you can mute some things. I rem- that, yeah. that,
0: I think in the more recent time that I saw you, you were able to mute uh, tracks. Yeah, as it- versus kind of where where you knew because with the line, I remember with the line six. I mean, has I don't think anyone has done anything with a uh, with with a, with a piece of technology. You've taken that thing to. Places that probably the creators couldn't even understand.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. Have you ever talked to them? Have you ever talked to the line six people about what you do? Or I mean, have they talked to you about what you've done with that pedal?
1: Well, not not specifically. I had like an arrangement for a while with them that yeah, like yeah. if my yeah. pedals broke down because the line six is also kind of a cheaply made pedal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that when they broke down I would send them the pedal and they would fix it. And right, uh, right. so I had like at one time like four pedals that were like rotating or whatever, and this guy would just fix yeah. them for free. So I thought that right, was cool. Right, right. And then the only other interaction is there was a I think it was a was it twenty year anniversary of the pedal or something, a twenty fifth mm-hmm. anniversary uh, edition of the pedal that had a a metal flake, it's like a sparkly yeah, yeah. metal flake paint job on the pedal, and that's the okay. one that I have at the late late show. Oh, okay, okay. And they gave that to me. That's it. That's
0: it. Because I've had, that was like my favorite delay pedal. Now we're getting into Super Nerd Zone, but that yeah. was my favorite uh pedal for de- delay and then when I met you you started doing and I thought I knew that thing pretty good I was like okay yeah. I got my presets I got the echo yeah. I got the slap delay I've got my different things and you were like reversing and, and, so, fi- yeah. and with the loop function which I also didn't realize that you could loop like with the v- reverb on- you were doing all these things yeah. and then the half time function Yeah, you were doing it at a million miles an hour <laughs> and I was like trying to uh, under- and which is and also it's initially a foot pedal but you had did you ever change the switches on it to be more like finger
1: friendly, you know. It's funny. I had this guy. He made a a pedal board for me. But the cool thing was the dude changed the switches on these. You can see yeah. they're a different shape. Yep. Yeah. They're not the the straight flat tops. So these are uh, more rugged switches. Like the switches are way more rugged, and they don't because um, the on the line six when you're doing this all the time they yeah, t- yeah. they tend to walk up and down the column like the threading yep. it starts to like put pressure on the nut and so it starts to like sink uh, yep, or that or, happened to all of mine. all of them yeah so you end up having to take it apart and then you have to take it apart by like pulling these knobs off with fucking pliers and, yeah. and ruining the kind of like it kind of fucks them up a little bit, and then you then you unscrew yeah. all these screws, and then you get, finally get in there, and then rescrew it, and then I don't know. Anyways, but the point is like yeah, so they they made a good improvement. And now it's I, now this setup is pretty rugged. I haven't had many problems with it at all. So, but this is this is it. This is the whole thing. This is the whole show. Wow. I would love to make my own looper. I already know like the perfect, you know. Things.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. I think that would be. Something you know, I, I feel like you're all. You've always been at the front of technology, and I've always like, like I think I said before that you were the first person I ever saw with a Bluetooth earpiece. Oh. Um, I, you've been like super into like VR since the beginning. Yeah, uh, and uh so I'm, were you always like super into technology when you were a kid? Were you like the the, the kid like? taking the stereo part and oh, yeah. you know figuring out how to make
1: things work. Yo, yeah, oh, yeah completely. I was taking apart my toys, you know, like taking out yeah. the screws, laying them out on the bed so I could remember how to put them back together, seeing how the yeah. thing works where the wires are connected <laughs> and like um, yeah, I I always loved it. You know, like when the Goonies came out, the the Asian kid that had all the gadgets. Um, yeah, like yeah. I loved that kid. You know, I was just like, super into gadgets and also Inspector Gadget as well. But like, uh, oh, yeah. I just loved like, I just love technology. Just uh, always as a kid, I was completely taken by it, imagining like what you could do with technology and imagining spaceship design and like you know uh, uh, finding out about like you know all kinds of things like bicycles like different sprockets you know like like biopace came out at one point it was like an oval like kind of oblong shaped sprocket and supposedly gave you some kind of an advantage for your rhythm as you like pedaled or whatever so like in every or a mechanical pencil it doesn't really matter it's like you know or a remote control design or uh you know a micro keyboard or an organizer where i can put all my friends you know numbers in there and you know like i've always yeah, I don't know what it is. Like I'm just, you know, and even to this day, I'm ordering tons of technology. And that's why on my, on my app on on WhatsApp, I sell I sell my technology on the app. Right, right. right. Uh, and because uh, I'm trying to like smart get through, you know, to get through the technology. Yeah. So I'm making not that much money back because I I sell it at a pretty discounted price, which is just kind of like to help out, you know, people that also want to check out technology too. But right. uh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's um, I've just always been addicted to it.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully a Reggie a Reggie vocal pedal oh that's actually God. made for that.
1: <laughs> oh, I would, I would, it would love it. Dope. It would be so sick. It'd be exactly what a looper would want. Someone who's like an right. improvising looper would want because I feel like there's a lot more of those. Or where I mean, I feel
0: like you were the first that I knew of, you know, really doing that. But I see it a lot more now. People doing because that that's the whole thing is your style evolved so much because that you were tech savvy and able to work these pedals and with a microphone and all that, like you said, versus like just being in a cipher.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, you know, uh, you know, you want to make the stuff that you want to hear, you know, and, and whatever that process is, you gotta like, you gotta make it work for yourself, you know, and and don't, don't just like, you know rely on shit you know to just like well i think it's going to do it for me or this is this is all we got you know like there's always yeah, a way yeah. to figure out what you want to achieve you know that's why like all of us are always geeking out on pedals and like oh did you see oh look at this new pickup it's like this pickup yeah did you see this new uh, um this new type of pick it's like oh what's up with it it was kind of like a half soft but the material that they use <laughs> is like it's got a ridge on it so it gives you this weird sound you know like it's everybody's always like fucking around and trying to figure out how can i fuck shit up or you know or maybe if i get this pedal it'll make me better you know like whatever the mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. is like you know uh it's fun to just try as much shit to know as much shit as you can even if you don't yeah. end up using it at least you know how it works you know i've been going down the rabbit hole cuz i'm designing a new signature guitar
0: oh no uh, and i have done that before but this time i honestly part of it is because of quarantine i'm able to like Focus yeah. on a lot of things, yeah, including that. You know, I've also been going deep on all these other plugins and also different types of looping things, so I can do things myself with my feet because you know my guitar has to be in my hands. So I've like been doing all this stuff with Ableton, and you know, it, it's there's been a lot of time to you know dive down uh, the rabbit hole in the last six months. You know, so I, I'm curious all the wow. like inventions and art and things that'll come out of this time. I know, I know. Well, what, what's up with your guitar? Like, what are you doing with it? That's uh, I'm kind of like you know, with that particular project, I'm just taking all of the greatest guitars that I've owned or played and take trying to really understand why I loved that. Yeah. you know why, what I love about it: pickups, necks. Uh, all these, so I always was into those things, but I'm understanding more of what each component, how each component, like the nut and, and the saddle and all these things that mm-hmm. I've always known were important, but I didn't know, like, okay, this certain material, um, as you know, allows for more resonance. Right. This one allows for more fluidity, um, and will keep it in tune. This one would keep it in tune better, you know, so all these things have different, um, have different ways that they affect the tone versus the functionality, um, and because I've always loved vintage instruments, so my real quest right now is how do I make a guitar oh. that you could that you can buy yes. now yes. consistently <laughs> across the board um, that we can make thousands and each one of them is going to act like you know a '60s an early '60s Gibson or something because I don't feel I feel like there's no reason why new guitars shouldn't be as good as these old guitars, but yet none of them are, you know what I mean? Yeah. All these early, these guitars from the 60s, it was had a lot, some of it has to do with the wood being older. A lot mm-hmm. of it is the technique, the fact that it's made by a human versus a machine. Yes. Now, there's a lot of factors. But yeah. I think in 2020, we should be able to make the ultimate instrument yeah. at this point, you know? Yeah. So um, I've always like been passionate about that, but to actually be a part of potentially creating it has been, exciting you know i I perfect to me is going to be perfect not necessarily perfect to everybody but um i'm excited about the process uh at least whereas the last guitar you know i made it so long ago and there's been a few editions of it but and i love that guitar don't get me wrong but it was very much based on something that existed already you know what i mean but with some tweaks this we're trying
1: to go dig deep on this one ground up yeah yeah Yeah. So oh that's exciting man. Yeah, of course. I mean making your own instrument, I mean that's fucking huge. We'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsors.
0: once you came to LA and, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to guess that because when you all of a sudden had this like schedule, mm-hmm. um, cause you and I did speak about that a lot. Cause I think both of us struggled a little bit, uh, with like staying healthy on the road. I know oh, I yeah. did. And, uh, you really committed to that when you came here. Um, and, uh, I'm a little curious like what was, was there like a moment or a person or an inspiration that was like okay I'm going to go all in and like really like allow my body to get fully healthy and like mm-hmm. to the optimal health.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean it was something that I that I wanted to do for a long time cuz I just yeah. like touring all the time, you know, and just, you know, Letting yourself go because it's like you know it's like it's easy and you're always on the move and it's you know if you're like a I don't know grew up as a chubby kid and <laughs> g- yeah. grew up uh, you know just eating just eating too much all the time and like steaky, right. sneaking snacks and stuff like this so you know and there were there were definitely there was a period in high school where I kind of designed my own diet and got like super thin lost a ton of weight and yep. got really fucking thin and then um and then another time in my like twenties, like when I was like twenty seven twenty five something twenty seven and started getting into bodybuilding and it again, I designed my own diet and started like working out and riding a bike one hour a day and you know and going swimming in, swimming in the lake and doing frisbee and all this stuff so uh yeah and then so that that happened and then I then I started touring again like tour or touring as a solo artist and that was like for a long time and then I just kind of put a lot of weight on uh, more the most amount of weight I I had put on and then when I came to LA I was like you know what I'm gonna have a schedule there's no excuses anymore I'm gonna get a trainer and I'm gonna get a nutritionist and I'm just gonna focus on getting stronger and then uh, I saw um uh Gosh, how am I forgetting. Oh, Ron Funches. He was a comedian. He was posting on his Instagram like flipping tires and you know doing ropes and stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to do that shit. That would be cool. And then uh, got a hold of his trainer, Jürgen Demay, and then started working with that dude. And then I lost a shit ton of weight, got stronger. You know, and just felt really good. Just felt like because like my natural, you know, my natural predisposition is to be strong and healthy, like I feel really good when I'm strong and healthy, but I'm also kind of like a a luxury guy, you know, I like, I like feeling like really good, you know, and really good food and, you know, and, you know, great sex and great music and great, you know, like the, all the luxury stuff. And, uh, but it doesn't really mean anything unless I feel healthy, you know? And so even now in quarantine, I've put on some pounds, but I'm still training four days a week, so you know I'm I'm still working out all the time. I still feel strong. I just feel like I got some extra baggage, so um, yeah. that's always a struggle. But uh, but yeah, it's just like as soon as I got the chance to be somewhat stable, I was like, fuck this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for it and get healthy. And, yeah, it's been fun. And I love, as much as, like, I love technology, there's technology in health as well. And so, for me, it's, like, choosing awesome vitamins, you know, and finding a really cool, you know, uh, company that deals in nootropics and, like, different types of protein powders and, you know, um, uh, amino acids, you know, those types of things, like times of day to eat, you know, like how much water to drink, you know, all that shit. So I just applied that nerdiness to working out, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, uh yeah, it's 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 fun. It's always a struggle. It's always about especially as you get older. But um yeah, yeah. But that's when you need to start, you know. Well, I've had
0: very similar like on and off. Like when I go, I go almost too hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And like now it's, I. I think it is also as I get older, I'm a little it's a little easier. And now having a, having a child yes. and having to like really wake up early all the time, I it's like, actually, you know, it would, you would think it would be worse, but it's actually been better for me. Like, cause I'm actually scheduling my time. It's like when I was on tour, it was just like, Oh, maybe I'll have an hour. Oh shit. I missed it. Yes. You know, now it's like, I kind of yes. hold myself to, uh, accountable, uh, yes. for my time and my time's more precious. So I actually plan it better. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's the same with like creative output. Everyone's like, oh, you're probably. I'm like, no, I actually, I wouldn't say, okay, I'm trying to make this happen. It's like, okay, I'm, is to like allot the time to like be in my studio working on this particular thing. And if I, if I go do something else, whatever, but like creating that time um, has been so crucial for me you know also kind of since moving here and since like like you know slowing on the touring cuz when i moved to la i kind of was like oh you know i'm going to come out here and just do my production stuff and do more like film scoring and and doing all the stuff that i really had been setting out to do for so long but you know you get these offers and it's hard to turn it down mm-hmm. and it's like so even when i moved here and it was still i was still leaving like every, you know every weekend yeah, and, and even more at times so like yeah now be, being home this long i'm like building a foundation where i won't have to tour hopefully yeah. um and like it, it ended up like creating this show and a lot of other sometimes you you have to make yourself um you have to like say no to things or create certain parameters uh in order to actually achieve new things and and like go outside your comfort zone you know
1: well it's like it's like sometimes like uh a- uh, sometimes you have to break yourself to make yourself. Ah <laughs> you know. That's true. That's and true. Uh, and yeah, and it's like, you know, you just need to snap out of a certain pattern, you know, and to kinda of go, Oh, fuck, well, you know what, fuck it, all that shit I was talking about. I, let me give it a shot, you know, and like let yeah, me do yeah. it for real, you know. And, and also for me the had back issues and the back oh, issues. Oh,
0: that's like, right. You know? So I was like, Okay, back issues. Is the upper back this weight? it's lower back at mm-hmm. this point mm-hmm. yeah in the last like few years right. but uh you know for that it's like there's so many things that you can do and you can take this and you can do that and you can ice it and do this but really like losing weight initially and yeah. like um it's, it's inflammation you know inflammation is created by like sugars and alcohol yeah. and all these different things that we love
1: yeah um and but you know it's, and core uh, work core strength Yes, so that's it's a huge. combination. It's like reduce yes. inflammation, reduce weight, yeah. and then core strength. It's just all, yeah. Of course, which I crazy. never really thought about before. Before yeah. it was like jog. I would when I, I
0: would jog like miles, not realizing that was actually making it worse. Yes,
1: yes. Oh my <laughs> you god. Know
0: what I mean? Yes. So it's it, like you said. It's like the more you can inform yourself, because then you actually take you can take less time. Yeah, and that it's on it, but it's but the time is it, is more. You know it's it's functional
1: for your body yeah 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 it's like you want to i mean you don't have to you don't have to kill yourself you know you you just you just have to be smarter about how you work out and that's the you know that's the the fun thing for me right like and for me now it's just like well i'm working out that's good i feel good i just need to figure out how to get that appetite under control you know and not be like stress eating during this pandemic or whatever but uh you know it's uh you know you got to have something to work on but you know yeah, eventually yeah, always, I'll crack always. I'll crack it you know it's weed does you know weed is tough cuz it's you still do weeds
0: yeah, yeah, not yeah. as
1: much. Um, well, yeah, you were doing it but, pretty heartily before.
0: Yeah, back in those days, and uh, you were actually uh, doing the edibles before I really even saw you. you know that oh, yeah. many edibles. You were on the edibles. Oh, I love um, the edibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early, and now that edibles are like regulated in yes. in, a, in a way. Um, but um, I, you know what? I'm really into CBD. No, Actually CBD one of my good, sponsors yeah. for my show is the C Sunset Lake. Shout out to Sunset Lake C B D. Hey, but there's so CBDs that A. Hey. Hey, so um, they uh but like they the the gummies and stuff, I mean they don't really get you really high. But right, also no. sometimes I like smoking the the C B D because it like tastes like weed and I kind of oh, yeah. miss that. But like if I smoke a joint of like weed, like today's, I'm gonna sound like such an old man, of like <laughs> the the today's weed, of today. today's weed is <laughs> yes. not like it used to be, mm-hmm. but now you take like one hit at a party or like a few hits and like, I can't really function anymore, Yeah. Um. you know, whereas like if it's edible, and I know, okay, this is five grams, uh, five milligrams, I know exactly what this is going to do to me, you know what I mean? Yes. Whereas like smoking it or in the back in the day when I would eat a cookie, I mean the cookie could have had 50 milligrams and I, I would have known, Yeah. So it's like back then it was like I ain't eating that shit, but I would I because of I but I had so many bad experiences. Yes. Cuz it seemed like back in those days you ate a brownie or a cookie, you either didn't feel it at all or you got way too high. It was so rare that it was like actually was where you wanted where I wanted to be, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it's totally true. It was a, always a crapshoot, always a crapshoot. And um yeah. yeah, now like, you know, you can find shit that's like 2.5 milligrams, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's such low I actually doses. love
0: that. I love like when it's like half CBD,
1: half THC. Oh yeah. It's just like a chill. No anxiety, super chill, yeah. but you get like a, a slightly elevated thing. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I go, I go back and forth. Like I, you know, sometimes I just go for massive doses, you know? Yeah. of just to, be, just to be like, can I survive it? You know, like I'll you're be right, home alone right. and I'll be like, can I survive this high? You know, and I'll just like yeah, go for yeah. like some crazy amount. But most of the time it's just, it's pretty chill. Like I just, yeah. I, I like a little accent here and there and it's, it's, yeah it's fun, but it's fun for creating too. And, uh, yeah, yeah, cause I, it's always a challenge, you know, it's like, okay, you're improvising, but you're high and sometimes it makes it easier. Sometimes it makes it harder. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of yeah. like it. I kind of like it's inconsistency in that way. It's like a uh, mystery, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely true. I remember
0: going on stage a few times being. I mean, I've also gone on stage, like, eating mushrooms and stuff like that. Oh, where shit. It's been, wow. Where it's been too much. But yeah, I, I do recall a couple of times. There was one time where, actually, at the same venue in Philly, but I don't think it was the same night, we, like, smoked this massive joint of, like, some sort of. North, uh, some star, or he was like, <laughs> <laughs> some star, <laughs> some constellation, and uh, going on stage, and my amp broke right that second, and we had this amazing sound check, it was a sold out show, I remember we were like cheersing, we were, like, had a like, sold out show with the promoter, smoking smoked a joint, going on stage so ripped, and the first note, my amp just like blows up, Oh. And Alan and Neil were just playing, looking at me like what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, my amp I like I don't know what the fuck and I was like those moments oh, stone can be man. horrible. And oh, it felt man. like I think it took eight minutes to get another amp, like from somewhere. Oh, which Jesus. felt like eight hours of oh. just total anxiety. Oh my um, god. Not sure what to do.
1: Oh my but god. Those moments high are horrible. Oh yeah. No, those are like yeah, you just want it to be over. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny when um it reminded me of there was a there was a gig where lettuce played at the yeah. Great North Festival. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was like uh yeah. in Maine. And yeah, um yeah. and there was this badass massage therapist and uh she I, I finally got to find time to have a massage with her and it was when lettuce was playing. Yeah. So yeah. they started playing. I don't know I don't know if you were there. I can't remember. I don't know. I remember playing with them in Maine. Yeah, at festival, in Maine. At a festival it might have been might yeah. have been that. But anyways, uh, yeah. So they were, and the tent was like pretty close to the yeah. main stage, so you could hear everything really well. And uh, I was on this massage table in this tent, and um, and she started giving me massage, and she was like, "Hey, uh, do you? Uh, I've been experimenting doing massage with uh, ketamine," and uh, and I was wow. like. Ketamine, you know, and and I'd never done ketamine, and I was like, yeah. like afraid of it, you know, and I was like, ah, I don't think so, that, but thank you though, that's really nice of you. And then, uh, you know, she was doing the massage, and she's a really amazing massage therapist. And I just thought to myself, like, when else am I gonna like, yeah, if there's a time, there's a to, now. Do, and now. So, so I decided yeah. to, and it was just mind blowing, like it was an yeah. insanely incredible experience. Is happening. So it was funny that lettuce was playing during my first ketamine. Wow. experience and it was like totally amazing and it was like a massage therapist I mean it was like the most amazing way of doing it. And that. while the music's happening. Yeah, it was just yeah. it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, you know, ketamine gets a bad rap. I've only done it once. Yeah. And it was also a weird thing. Where I was like, no, nah, no, nah, nah, nah. But I was in Ibiza, Ibiza. Oh, shit. With, like, this amazing crew of, like, you know, B- Burning Man crew. Yeah. And they were like, if you're going to do it, this guy's the guy, and he's got the da-da-da, and he's going to yeah. guide you through your thing. And... uh so, you know, I was like, you know what? Shit, I'm in a of like fuck it, you know. And it was one of the best nights of my life. I yeah. uh, like danced. I could not stop dancing. I dance and I'm not, you know, I like to dance, yeah, but I don't sure, like sure. you know, you yeah. you know me. I'm not like out there no. like getting down no, like no, you no. Know? No. this night and also I was with none of well, I didn't really know anyone and we yeah. all were actually masked in masks and oh, shit Oh, well, that so makes like, it even easier. It like I went for it like never before and like till the sun came up and like Oh my um, god it was epic I don't know that I'd want to do it again in like a normal hanging out watching a movie type of vibe yeah. but uh, <laughs> it was worth
1: it for that moment sometimes those moments you gotta I know go for it yeah you just gotta go for it and you just end up like you know it's great it re- you get rewarded for taking a chance
0: so uh, what are you doing with your time uh, during quarantine I know you're like creating a little bit and, and trying some different projects are you still is cord? are you still working on the Corden show yeah. how is that happening yeah
1: still doing corden and still doing uh uh yeah i mean we we we're just in the studio um so so you just go so you still are working in the studio mm-hmm. and it's as as it was for yeah. the most part but no audience yeah just drive to work yeah bands yeah. there studio um you know it's like less people uh less of the crew only like super essential people are there so yeah. all the yeah. grips yeah. are there lighting designers there you know the main producers are there show runner yeah uh director You know, um, it's probably like maybe like a 30-person crew at this point, Um, whereas usually it's like 50. But like the rest of everybody else is all offline. So everyone still has their jobs. They're just working from home. And then the the essential people are there at the work. And then we get tested twice a week. So your world hasn't changed that much, would you say? Not that much. I mean, in the beginning, yes, definitely. I mean, everybody was like, what the fuck? And nothing was happening for a long while. And then we started doing Zoom shows. Um, and, uh, yeah, then they figured out a way to, you know, start getting people back in the studio with testing and stuff like that. And we haven't really had any problems. Uh, we had one person who contracted COVID, but she got quarantined and she's been testing negative and, um, you know, she's back at work and everybody's, you know, doing the protocols. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't really, yeah, it hasn't really Changed. I mean, I mean, it's weird to not have guests like chilling in the g- green room and, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But we do have some in-studio guests on occasion. Yeah. So. Cool, cool. Not that much of a change. Do you ever miss
0: being on the road? I mean, I know you still, or at least not during COVID, you would, you go out and do like weekend dates here and there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you much, much
1: prefer like being a part of a show and having a consistent rhythm? I mean, I mean, in an ideal world, I would just, you know, be free to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Yeah. You know, that yeah, that yeah. would be super rad. But I also, you know, love that I have a job and it and it and it it does it does well. They treat me well, and you know, all that stuff. So I'm definitely not like ever like oh this job. But but in, yeah, you yeah. know, when I look into the future, I definitely want to be, you know, completely in control of my schedule. Yeah, of But, course, of course. yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was getting enough, like, other gigs when, you know, everything was open and running and stuff, like, you know, my project with John Tejada, the Wahada uh, yeah. uh, project, like, you know, we were playing festivals, we had a bunch of dope festivals lined up, like, Lightning in the Bottle, and, yeah. um, you know, Emergency, and things of that nature, so, uh, you know, so I do miss that, and, you know, John misses that, and, um, and I... I love live shows and I love doing live shows. So, you know, there's that, that I miss, but, uh, you know, for now in these times, it's pretty rad to have work, you know? Right. um, Right. Like regular right now. Yeah. Especially right now. Yeah. And going somewhere. So it's like, I'm going to work, you know? Oh yeah.
0: Going to work. Yeah. Well, man, it's been really good to reconnect with you, man. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, there's some, some good memories to hash through. And, uh, yeah man hopefully one of the day we can
1: yeah. make some music or oh, I'd love to yeah. hang out yeah, and, that's, uh, that's my yeah, new thing sure. make some yeah. you know make music with friends like this this year I'm gonna try to make as much as possible so yeah
0: I want to thank Reggie for being on the show so great to have him on and before we go I'm gonna play a track that Reggie recorded with Soul Live back in the mid 2000s and this one was on our album called Breakout this song is called What Can You Do
2: Feel it, feel about feel it,
0: Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer, produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email one at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next time.